Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons, I'm Lynette, and in today's episode, my husband, Sean, will be interviewing Jared. And Jared is a birth father. We're really excited to share a birth father's perspective and experiences here on the podcast today. Jared will be talking about his side of placing his son for adoption. And next week, we'll have something really fun where we get to hear from Jared's wife, Shayla, who is the birth mom of their child that they placed. They ended up getting married a little while later, and they have two sons that they're parenting. So they're the parents of three boys. They're really wonderful. They're so, so sweet. And one of my favorite things as I listened to him was just how tender this all was. He's so open about these raw and hard emotions and it's just a really beautiful episode to hear and feel a bit of what he's sharing and what he's experienced so we'll jump to the interview right now and then we'll recap at the end all right well we are now on the podcast with jared jared thanks so much for being willing to meet with us yeah um, let's go ahead and just have you introduce yourself a little bit so we get to know who you are. So my name is Jared. Currently, I am 29 years young. I've got, uh, I'm married with two kids. I enjoy uh, being outdoors. I enjoy motocross. I, I'm in a band. I write music. Um, I actually work in a residential treatment center for boys right now. And my wife is just started working in the medical industry. And, uh, we have a, a dog, two fish, and a gecko. <laughs> Life is good. It's crazy. I was born and raised here in, uh, in Utah, and this is where I grew up, and this is where I live currently. Love going on walks, uh, hikes with motocross. You know, my kids have gotten into it early, and so, you know, bikes are a big deal. Um, my my three-year-old has an electric motorcycle that he rides all over the place. Cool. Uh, my two-year-old is just about to get one as well. And uh, we love doing that together. We're planning on doing that this weekend, going out and riding around. Um, my wife rides a motorcycle. My kids ride bikes. I ride a bike. My, my people I invite ride bikes. Um, love being out in, the, in nature on two wheels, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much the sum up of, of who I am and, and what I do. Yeah, uh, that was part of my childhood too growing up. Uh, when I was 12, I got in an accident and ruptured my spleen. And uh, b- before I got out of the hospital, my parents had sold my bike. So that put a, an abrupt <laughs> <laughs> abrupt end to that hobby. But I too enjoyed that a lot when I was younger. That's really fun. Yeah, accidents happen. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to my kids getting hurt, but it's sadly it might be inevitable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It happens in all things, right? So, but that's yeah, fun. It's true. They, they can, they're going to hurt themselves playing soccer. Or they're going to hurt themselves on a dirt bike, like either way, right? <laughs> yep. And that's a joyful part of parenthood. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'd love to hear your story. We know that you're a birth father. We'd love to hear your perspective. So if you want to share with us kind of the story of how adoption became part of your experience and help us understand what that was like. So basically, um, when I was 18, uh, my girlfriend at the time was 16. And that is long story short, I'll just spill the beans. Now that was Shayla and she's actually now my wife. Um, so that was 10 years ago, 10, between 10 and 11 years ago. 
we got pregnant. She, we found out that she was pregnant. And uh, at the time, it was kind of, you know, we weren't really sure what to do. We didn't, we didn't really have any experience with adoption. It wasn't like we were studying it before we found out we were pregnant or anything like that. But it was something that, uh, you know, as the pregnancy, you know, after the first couple months of the, of the shock, like, oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do? You know, we kind of were like, hey, what, what are we going to do now? with this situation and, uh, and with this, with this baby and adoption became part of the conversation a few months in and, uh, we started seeing family services. Uh, they were, you know, local and they were doing that and we knew about them and Shayla's mom actually helped set us up with an appointment to initially start seeing an awesome lady there, start seeing Margaret there. It was low pressure. It was it was awesome. She just talked to us and kind of explained to us, you know, the, the types of adoption, what adoption was about, what they do, like how it works, how it works when you place the baby, how it works from there on out, things like that. And long story short, we we kind of ended up we ended up deciding we wanted to do adoption, and we decided that it was going to be like a modified closed adoption basically what that meant was we were going to have visitations and we wanted it to be open so that we could visit the baby and and his new family uh, for the first year and then from there on out it was going to be closed which essentially meant strictly just updates with photos stories things like that but not any visitations and I'm skipping, I'm skipping a little bit of the details with it. I mean, there was, it was chaotic, you know, it was, I was an 18 year old kid that had a lot of my own self-interest. I was self-centered. I was, I was, I was a teenage boy, you know, and she got definitely got stuck with the brunt <laughs> of the struggle, but, you know, it worked out pretty well in the end. So I'm grateful for that. But uh, long story short, skipping ahead a little bit, at that year mark, the family we chose to place with, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, thought I was over this 10 years later. They wanted to keep us in their lives. So we've been able to see him and visit him and be a part of his life for the last 10 years and and that's been amazing. And I can't say enough about how grateful I am for it. There's so many things we could talk about, but <laughs> yeah. I think I think one thing that you just said a minute ago, like I thought 10 years later I was over this. I don't think at any point any of us in the adoption triad are quote unquote over it, right? It's yeah. with us always. And uh and it's, it's part of our experience. It, it makes us who we are, even a long time after uh, those emotions can come surging back. And uh, it's it can be heavy and hard. So thank you for being vulnerable and willing to share. I blame that whole experience because I was stone cold before it. <laughs> I never shed a tear before that. But ever since then, I can, I can barely get through a Disney movie with my kids now without <laughs> getting choked up. It's, it's pathetic. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, 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 it's annoying because I have a hard time talking through tears. But uh, it is what it is. Like you said, you never get over it, truly. Yeah. And that's okay. 
is it okay if I ask some fo- like follow-up questions about how you felt during things and and how the experience yeah. was? So yeah, absolutely. I know th- that you mentioned this, but maybe can you walk us through like what it felt like or what the experience was like when you guys found out that you were pregnant? It was shocking to say the least. And I mean, we were we were young, and we we're both the oldest in our family. So, ironically my mom was pregnant. She was pregnant with my youngest brother. Her mom was six, five, six months pregnant with her youngest sister. So my mom, my now mother-in-law and my girlfriend, now wife, were all pregnant at the same time. (laughs) So it was a, it was crazy. And, And again, like, like I mentioned before, like I was, you know, at the time I was, I was an 18 year old boy. I was definitely more worried about my issues in my life than I, I, than the reality of the situation at hand, I would say, but it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a crazy time and, a, and, a, and a lot of, you know, a lot of emotion. That's for sure. I stuck with her and I felt like I needed to. Yeah. I felt like I should. I felt like, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not fair that, you know, she gets stuck with, uh, you know, with reality for nine months while I'm, you know, in reality, I could go off and do whatever I wanted where she, you know, she couldn't, she had to switch schools. She had to deal with repercussions from, you know, her parents, you know, being upset with what happened, of course, you know, and then I had to deal with my parents being upset with what happened and, there was a lot of a lot of emotion, a lot of turmoil in the in the first couple months. But you know, I, when the dust settled, um, everybody stepped up and was like, "How do we make this situation better?" You know, hence her mom, you know, scheduling us adoption appointments. You know, and, and my my mom being a great support system for me. And and ultimately, after the first, I'd probably say three or four months of the pregnancy, it just really turned into what's going to be best for this baby. So. That's great. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, and it actually answered a couple others that I had too. So um, initially, it sounds like families were pretty upset. Yeah, I mean, upset. yeah, I, I can imagine them being upset. Uh, also, probably emotions running high with both of your moms being pregnant too. Uh, that probably yeah. made it even a more unique and challenging situation. I mean, you you started kind of talking about it that way, but then it after the dust settled, as you said then everybody stepped up and there there was that support. You mentioned her mom helping with setting up adoption appointments. What other things did parents do that helped you feel their support? You know, my, for uh, for me, my mom was always there to talk to. Things were hard or, you know, when I felt like I didn't know what to do or who to talk to about what I felt, you know, she was always there for me to talk to. She's always been very level-headed and logical you know, I could, I felt like during that time, I could go to her with anything and any feelings uh, and any thoughts that I had, uh, which was very nice. And then, you know, her parents, you know, obviously her, her mom helping us with the adoption thing, you know, con- you know, giving her uh, expertise and in, in, in knowledge and in, in knowing she, she's actually a surrogate mother. And so she had a little bit of experience in not so much adoption, I guess it, it's, you know, it's similar. So, you know, but she, she understood to a point, you know, what would be best and, and the, just what, just the process in general, 
Yeah. You know, it's not like either of our families had dealt with adoption, had adopted anybody or placed anybody for adoption. So it was definitely very helpful for her to be like, hey, this is a good place to go. This is a, these are good people to talk to. Uh, this is kind of how it works. And, you know, her helping Shayla deal with the, uh, know what to expect emotion-wise. Yeah, I know with surrogacy or gestational caring, like even though from the beginning, right, the intent was that this baby is going to their their family, um, but there is there is a level of loss that's felt. So to some extent, I bet her mom could help her through some of those feelings and emotions, which was probably yeah. really helpful. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you guys had that support. Tell us tell us a little bit about um, the process of finding the adoptive parents what did that look like for you did you do that together yeah share share a little bit with us about that that's the chaotic the chaotic part that i skipped earlier we started doing visits family services together and uh you know there was a lot of clashing a lot of arguing with the with that when it came to that because i you know what i wanted versus what she wanted were two different things and i imagine that's probably you know a similar case with a lot of individuals and something that <laughs> something our poor caseworker had to deal with was a, a birth dad that was not you know she she was used to just dealing with the birth mom and birth dad didn't have any say in it but no I was like the I was like the overly involved birth dad the one that was like no they they got to be perfect with careers and blah 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 they got to have money they got to have stability they got to have whatever Shayla was looking for that that feeling that just that gut feeling that those people that just felt right. So we probably, we drove poor Margaret crazy, I'm sure. I mean, we even, I'll just tell her how it was. We, uh, you know, we started looking at couples. They gave us um, access to the site where we started looking at, at couples and their profiles that they had set up. And we were reading through them and, and we both, you know, picked some people that we thought were good and we narrowed it down to a couple that we actually met. And, uh, <clears throat> Ultimately, what happened, we, we actually picked one couple and decided we were going to place with them. And I was all for it. I was all in. I was like, great, perfect. You know, they say they're awesome. Um, but Shayla didn't have a good feeling about it. And, uh, she, you know, we when we backed out of, of that placement, which I imagine was unbelievably hard for that couple. And uh, to put this into perspective, this was all like she was doing a matter of a week or two not even i think she was doing a week because at that point we were so close to the delivery date that the next time we met with margaret after we decided to back out was the conversation at least from my end was literally like like at this point anyone's better than no one <laughs> so like what do you suggest she was like i got this couple she's like they're brand new i don't know what to think about them yet but I got a good feeling about them. Here's our profile. So we're like, let's do it. Let's meet them. We met with them and they were, they were very enthusiastic, obviously. And Shayla had a great feeling about them. Shayla said she loved them. And I was like, great. Again, like anybody's better than nobody at this point. And they do seem really awesome. And that, and that was my mentality at the time. You know, I'll be honest. So Again, Shayla had a great feeling about them, so we we picked them, and it was all in the same week. Met them on a Tuesday, went to dinner on Wednesday, 
told them that we were going to place with them, had the baby, or we told them we were going to place them on Thursday. I'm sorry. Met them on Tuesday, told them we were going to place them on Thursday. The baby was born Saturday. And then we told them Sunday that he was here. So it was like just this, it's just like, yeah, it's fast. Um, and then they, they had given us five names. They wanted us to have some say in the name. So we just sent them a picture and said, we think he looks like a, look, we think he looks like a Carson. That was one of the names that they had given us. So, and that's how we told them that he was here. And, and, uh, that's kind of how the, the choosing of the, the family went. <laughs> so kind of a emotional whirlwind in the beginning. So maybe one follow-up question to that. So you said that uh, she just didn't feel like that first couple was right. Can you maybe expound just a little bit on that? Because, I mean, I know ultimately you have to be super solid with the decision that you're making, right? And you have to feel really, really good about it. Um, anything around that that you want to share? I mean, ultimately, I think the re- I think the biggest reason that we told them we were going to place them was because I was pushing for it so hard. They were, you know, they were a couple that I, that met all the criteria that I wanted. Um, and I pushed for, I pushed for it really hard. I pushed Shayla for it really hard. And I didn't, obviously I didn't force her into making the decision, but I did push for it very hard and she wanted to, you know, she, she went along with it and it just wasn't till after the fact that she, you know, felt first. I mean, she had her doubts beforehand, but it wasn't until after the fact that she really, really felt like she needed to, you know, act on her doubts and, and make, make the hard decision. And she did make it on her own. You know, she, she told them, and it's a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to tell somebody, especially after you, you know, you meet them and you, you know, commit to giving them something that they wanted for who knows how long and can't have on their own. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely tough for them, tough for us. And, but, you know, ultimately she, she felt like she needed to, she needed to do what she felt like was right. And it wasn't that there was anything wrong with those people or anything like that. It was just, it was just kind of a gut feeling for her and for me it was you know I was I I I take the blame mostly because I was just kind of blind to her objections and her opinion on the couple prior and so I pushed really hard for it and I kind of ignored what she said about them and, and so she said okay and then you know it wasn't it wasn't until after the fact that you know we talked about it more and and I opened up to what she was saying and I listened to what she was saying and I realized that you know I needed to and he needed, we both needed to feel good about this decision not just one of us I think you give give yourself grace it's been a decade and you were 16 and 18 right <laughs> trying to trying to make yeah. the best decisions and working together I, I I imagine that that was hard and probably looking back you could do things differently if you could go back but that was your experience, right? If you could go back in time 
and change anything in that process from the beginning, like when you found out you were pregnant till after or to placement, anything else that you would have wished would have happened differently? Realistically, and something I kind of mentioned before was like, I wish that I had been less self-absorbed in myself. And, you know, maybe that's asking a lot of an 18 year old boy. I don't, I don't remember how I felt or my thought process as an 18 year old boy necessarily, but looking back on it as, you know, 10, 11 years later, I think of myself as a very self-interested, self-absorbed person that cared more about what he was going through and his emotions and his thoughts and feelings than well, maybe that's, maybe that's the best way to put it. I think the better way to put it is I wasn't putting myself in her shoes enough. And if I could change one thing about those nine months, that's what I would be doing. I'd be putting myself in her shoes more often because she definitely got the worst end of it. <laughs> you know, she had to deal with her mom that was pregnant. She had to deal with herself that was pregnant. And she had to deal with me who also had a pregnant mother. And then I had all these strong opinions and I was you know, and we'd only been dating for months. I was, yeah, I was, you know, I was working, I was working out. I had all these other ambitions and goals. And, and I was just like, this is, you know, this is a looking back on it now. I'm like, that was a serious situation that I could have really stepped up and I could have been, I could have put myself in her shoes more. And I could have been more supportive than I was. I could have done more to kind of be a little bit more of a relief in her life versus an extra stress. And I feel like something I did was add, add more stress to her plate versus taking it away. It's probably asking a lot of an 18 year old boy. Like it's hard to, it's hard to uh, be like, Hey, all you 16, 17, 18 year old boys out there that get your girlfriend pregnant, like step up, be a man, be supportive, be like the perfect, be the perfect support person in her life. Like, that's, that's probably a tough thing to do for a lot of them. So, but if I could change one thing, that's what I would do. Well, and like you said in the beginning, hate answering questions or thinking about questions like this because we can't change the past. But for the 17 year old or 18 year old boy who's listening to this, who's in the same situation that you were 10 years ago, um, that's some great advice uh, and some great, yeah. some great thoughts uh, for that person. Uh, to consider. So thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with Carson's uh, parents and why maybe maybe why at first you wanted to do that year of kind of open and then close the door. What was maybe the thinking behind that? Let's start there. The thinking behind that, um, to the best of my recollection anyways, was was just we felt like that would be best for the child to develop that relationship with his parents. We felt like that was be would be best for his adoptive parents to develop that relationship with their child without having to you know, juggle other people in their lives. And that changed down, you know, down the road, that, that, that idea. But that, that was the initial thought, I would say. Let's talk a little bit about that change. How did that happen and how did that relationship morph and change over time? You know, it was just kind of a, a mutual thing. Like we were doing the visits and we were visiting and we were hanging out and we were having a good time. And, and it, we had just, we just had such good conversations and so much 
so much fun and so much bonding when we would get together and, and visit. And we had, we had a lot in common. Katie's family, they, her brothers raced motocross. We always had things to talk about. I mean, I even went to, I even raced with her brother and rode tracks with her brother. And we went and watched her, her brother race. And, and uh, we visited, we, we have, we visited her parents and, and, you know, her, her siblings and, and uh, it just kind of became less of like, for lack of a better term, a business relationship and more of a friendship. You know, the same thing with Devin and his side of the family. They've, they've always been, they've always accepted us, both of us with open arms and, you know, Devin loves, loves biking and mountain biking and being outdoors and camping and like all the things that we love to do too, that both of them do. And uh, we've just had so much in common. We, we both had, had so much to talk about every time we get together. It's just been it's just been an added bonus that we were able to give them their first child. And, and we've always been able to openly talk about that too. That's something that's been very nice and convenient. It wasn't like we show up and it wasn't like the routine questions like, oh, how's Carson doing? Is he getting enough to eat? Is he sleeping at night? <laughs> you know, just like the things like that. It's always just been, we've always just been able to be very open and, and have very, very good communication when it comes to them and, and Devin and Katie have both been very, very receptive and, and open when it comes to talking about like, oh, Carson does this, like, did, which one of you, which one of you was the most stubborn? Because <laughs> he is so stubborn. And we're like, oh, my goodness, like, we're both so stubborn. So good luck with that. You know, it's we've they they haven't been they've never tried to avoid talking about those facts. You know, they've always been like, hey, like Carson does this, this, this and this and this and that reminds me so much of you and that reminds me so much of Shayla and like, or which one of you does this remind you the most of? And uh, so that's been very, very helpful. And, and just, it, it's just turned our relationship again from what I feel like maybe could be like a business type relationship where it's like, Oh, we're doing this visit because we have to yeah, into more of a friendship where it's like, we get together because we want to, because we enjoy your company. We enjoy having you around we're good friends with all of them. They all know us. They all love it when we show up and we, and we play and, and have a good time. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. And like kind of summarizing, I think what you said, it kind of go, it kind of started as like this obligatory relationship that, I mean, we, we all want to have that relationship because of our child that we share, but over time it morphs and changes to family and kind of even the excitement of getting together and looking forward to being with each other. Whereas in the beginning, that's maybe a little bit kind of uneasy and we're not sure what it will look like. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. So even today, so 10 years later, what it sounds like your relationship still sounds great. What are some of the things that they do and you do to keep that relationship strong? Yeah, it's awesome. I think we've been, we, we, we see them uh, sometimes it's anywhere between every like two and four months, I'd say over the past 10 years, it's probably been consistently like, I mean, they, they reach out to us. We reach out to them. It, it, no one has to make the first move. We can text them anytime we want and be like, we miss you. We'd love to get together soon. And I mean, we've met it. We've met at parks. We've met at jump houses. We've met at other families places they 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 were down here for a barbecue this summer we we meet at them at their house 
all the time. We ride bikes. We play baseball with each other. We, you know, we, we do anything and everything that family would do together. That's, that's really what's kept it alive is, is just, you know, the, is just that, that uh, relationship that we have. We go, out to, we go out to eat together. We go out to get dessert together. We, we get together religiously every, every few months. And it's honestly the, the best part of the whole thing. It literally is just a friendship. Like yeah. Shayla, like, like me and Devin talk about, like, I mean, he'll text me about cars or like a, a dirt bikes or, or whatever. And I mean, Shayla and Katie have gone shopping together or gone and gotten pedicures together. I mean, the stuff completely outside of kids, yeah. outside of, of Carson, outside of all that. It's, it's so much more than that. And didn't have to be that way, but they, you know, they helped make it that, that way. That's awesome. So you two were teenagers when you got pregnant the first time you placed your, your son, you end up getting married, you have two more children. How has placing him affected you or both of you as parents? Like, how does, how, what did you learn from that? Or, or how has it shaped what kind of parent you are? It's a good question. I think the biggest way it affected us was we knew we wanted to have kids right away as soon as we did get married. <laughs> Just because I feel like we'd kind of gone through that experience and we knew what it was like. And we, we were both pretty hungry for that again, which looking back on it, we probably could have enjoyed marriage for a couple of years, or so. <laughs> but it's okay because we, uh, I, I wouldn't change anything. But as parents, I mean, it's it's probably changed the how we view being parents a lot differently than than anyone would think, including ourselves. It's probably changed the way that we try to parent, um, be more so because of Devin and Katie and the parents they are, you know, and it's which is is funny you know it's it's not because of what we went through that we're like oh we want to be these type of people and these type of parents no it's because of the people that we placed with that we want to be we, we want to be more like them you know they've been awesome awesome parents and it's like we're like wow how are we supposed to live up with that to live up to that how are we supposed to give our our kids you know be the, be as good of parents to our our two kids that we have right now as they have to our first, you know, it's, it's, it's some big shoes to fill, but I would say that's probably been the biggest impact is just striving to be more like them. That's, that's sweet. On our podcast, we've had uh, a lot of conversations with many birth mothers and some have talked about some of the challenges that they've felt you know, going through the going through the whole situation and post uh, adoption, we hear a lot more from that side of the equation. Uh, but what would you share? What are some of the challenges of being a birth father? It's kind of I feel like it's kind of a tough question to ask because, or a, a tough question to answer, just because as I've gotten older, I've I feel like, you know, I've matured, I've grown up, and I've recognized that I did not have the worst of that situation. You know, she had it worse than me, and so I, I kind of pushed out my own struggles and, and and that way. But you know, I know what I did. I know what I know what I did after the fact to kind of cope with that because it was a you know it was traumatic for me. It was hard to deal with. It was a lot of emotion. 
and the way that I process things is by thinking about them on my own before I talk about them <laughs> pretty shortly after the whole situation. I mean, obviously I still visited and everything visited them, but you know, I moved a couple hours away and I, I didn't date anybody. I didn't have any friends. I just kept to myself and <clears throat> just kind of helped myself process, gave myself time to heal from the whole situation and uh, focused on myself and my hobbies and what I wanted to do. And, and I did that for about a year and a half, lived in a place that I lived in, <laughs> actually, literally, I lived in a, a windowless basement bedroom with no Wi-Fi <laughs> <laughs> for, about a, for about a year, year and a half before I, I came out of hiding and started socializing again. For me, that was the best thing that I could do for myself because that's, that's how I cope with things. That's how I process things is I, I get to a place where I can be alone with my thoughts. I, I process and then, and then I come out and I can usually talk about it or, you know, deal with it in a, a more uh, social way. That's what I did to heal front because it was a lot. And it was very hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, hands down. Over many years, adoption has been changing. We've gone from some for, away from some really unethical practices uh, to and closed adoptions to more open adoptions and more focus on ethics and relationships between everybody. What though we've made some progress, there's still room to grow. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges? that the adoption community still faces today? I think that, you know, and everybody's gonna do it their own way and to each their own. You know, every situation is different. Every adoption situation is different, but, you know, raising the, raising the child with, you know, just accepting the facts, accepting the fact that he, he or she is adopted, that he or she was, you know, was, you know, someone else carried them in their tummy and somebody else, you know, is responsible for bringing them into this world to get them to where they need to be. I think raising them with that knowledge is important to the child. I think it's important for them down the road in their lives. And I think it'll help them a lot with accepting that and, and not you know, dwelling on it too much and not letting it impact their lives negatively. Um, and that, and that's my opinion. I think that's, that's typically for their own reasons versus in the child's best interest. If that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like those, I feel like those situations are like the only reason you'd want it that restricted and that closed off is for your own interest versus the child, because regardless of how, how crappy their parents are that kid's still going to want to know them they're still going to be curious about them they're still going to have questions so it's unfair to cut them out that way and i i deal with a lot of a lot of those a lot of the repercussions of that in my job it's a little bit emotional for me because uh about 50 percent of our boys are adopted <clears throat> or oh, such a hard time talking through tears. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're good. <laughs> but a lot of that stems from those kind of situations, you know, where 
their adoptive parents don't want to talk about their birth parents <clears throat> and their situations beforehand. The kid doesn't understand. I think what you're highlighting for me is like, no matter what emotions or feelings adoptive parents or birth parents are going through, like at the end of the day, it's about our kids. Yeah. And we have to make sure that we're providing the relationships they need, the information that they need, everything really that they need to be happy and healthy and, and okay with where they come from. And even when they're not okay with that, we're all still there for them and that we love them and they know that. I think that's really a really important thing to highlight. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> oh, you're awesome. So you mentioned before placement that you had met with uh, your counselor, Margaret. What type of counseling or what type of post placement support did you have, or did you take advantage of any counseling or anything afterward? I didn't, I didn't do any counseling. I, she, she definitely called, texted and emailed a few, a handful of times, you know, reaching out just to see if any, you know, if I needed anything, how things were going. I, yeah, I, I just never, I don't, I don't even know if I ever responded. Yeah. Um, which again, I, the way I kind of process things was, is a little different than some, you know, I felt like, you know, I feel like when I process things, it's just, I, I do better when I do it alone. And I, I think about things, I work through them in my head and then, then I come out of my shell. Well, is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know or, or understand from your perspective as a birth father, as we wrap up any maybe parting words that you'd share? Like, let's be realistic as the guy, you're not pregnant. You're not getting fatter, dealing with hormones, dealing with, you know, anything like that. Like you, you've got way more freedom than she does. You know, any guy that just ups and leaves and, and, and bails out on that is just, just a frightened human, you know? And, uh, so I would just think I would, you know, if I was going to say anything to any guys out there in that kind of situation, I would, it would be like, you know, stick it out, stick it out. Like that's, that's, that's your blood. That's your kid. That's, that's your responsibility. That's, that's your bed that you made and you need to lie in it and, and you need to suck it up and deal with it. And, and you definitely have the easier part in that, in, in my opinion. I, th yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that are, are afraid of, I think that's why I say that the, the, those guys that just they just bail and leave and don't want anything to do with the situation are just just scared, gutless individuals. They don't they're they're too frightened of being stepping up and being a dad or or whatever it may be. But it's like you can't look at it like that. You don't have doesn't doesn't mean you have to marry the girl. Doesn't have to mean doesn't mean you have to be involved as much as you're you think you might have to be. But you can still be part of that kid's life, and the kid's still going to be curious about you at some point in his life, it is rewarding to, to see that and to be part of their lives. I know several people that, you know, that happened to, they had unplanned pregnancies and unplanned births and they chose to run. They chose to not be involved for years, sometimes one, two, three, 10, 18 years. And uh, every single one of them regret it. 
every single one of them, every single one of them wish they hadn't done that. And now that's not to say that that, you know, that scared person can't change. You know, everybody gets scared. It's not just, it's not just birth fathers. Birth mothers do too. There's some birth mothers that give birth, leave the hospital and never see, they, you never hear from them again. You know, every, everybody does something similar, but you know, I've seen some of them that have, some of them have come back and become more involved in their lives, in their child's lives, you know, a, a couple years in and it's, and they absolutely love it and they're glad that they did they glad they're glad that they they sucked it up and they had that hard conversation with baby mama or baby daddy or whatever and became part of their lives again so that they could introduce them to their other kids or their cousins their relatives their parents whatever it may be and then i've, I've met people that haven't they've never been in contact with them and like i said those are the people that regret it those are the people that are, those are the people that are like, oh man, I, I, I wish I could get a hold of them. I, I would, but I'm just too scared, you know, and it's, you, know, you can live your life in fear. You can just suck it up on the fact that it happened and develop those relationships because those relationships with the people that are your family and that, that, that you love or the most important things in life. I think that's an awesome note to end on. Um, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast and share your perspective. We really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to be, a, I'd like to talk about it more and, and be more, you know, be a bigger part of it and everything. But it's just so it's just so hard to it's just so uncomfortable i hate crying and i can't talk through tears and it's hard to do it and i can't seem to to hold them back or, or cope with it so that's why i haven't done it very much well we we appreciate you a lot and even through the tears we understood what you you said but i think more importantly we understand how you feel to some degree and uh that's really valuable for us to understand so thank you so much Absolutely. I appreciate you guys reaching out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. Wow, huh? I loved this episode. I really, really liked doing that interview. Yeah, I was sad that I didn't get to sit in on that interview with you, but might have been better the way that it was keeping it more intimate it was just such a beautiful episode to listen to for me yeah and honestly i'm excited because i still haven't listened to the, the conversation that you've had with shayla yeah so, so i and it wasn't even intentional we just schedule wise sean interviewed jared and i interviewed shayla and we planned on having these come out the same week but it just didn't work out life happens that, which <laughs> you know i'm sure you guys can forgive us right but we're really excited to share that side next week. I loved hearing from Jared. What were some of your favorite parts? Yeah, I mean, even right there toward the end, he shared a lot of thoughts that I just really liked um, as an adoptive father thinking about this situation where I think we're in a pretty unique uh, situation where we have relationships or contact with, to some degree, all of our children's birth fathers mm -hmm. in addition to their birth mothers. But um, I really liked what he said that Birth fathers need to be involved. And 
the degree to which that happens, you know, it's going to look different for everyone. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's for our kids. Someday, they're going to have questions. They're going to want to know. And if we can form that relationship in some way, right, it doesn't have to look the same for everybody, but some type of connection so that when those questions do come or if, you know, maybe all along they've been part of a relationship, it's just going to benefit the kids. And I really, really like how he he shared that. Yeah, I like the emphasis on these relationships might be hard sometimes, but we're doing it for our children, right? And you can connect in meaningful ways. And as adoptive parents, we need to be willing to be flexible and to keep that door open to help our children have those connections because they're going to want them. But on, this, on the same note, I think uh, the way that he described the relationship that he and Shayla have with their son's adoptive parents is awesome, right? Like, I loved that. It's not, their relationship isn't always just based on the fact that they share a kid together, right? But they have a lot of interests and they've built great relationships around those interests uh, in so much that it's not just about getting together so that they can see the kids, but so that they can hang out with each other because they're friends and they, they have similar interests. And I really, really liked that. I loved hearing how Jared spoke about Dev and Katie. Yeah, I loved that tender way that Jared spoke about Dev and Katie. And I also heard that in my interview with Shayla, the way that she speaks about Dev and Katie is just so tender, so loving. And we are actually friends with Dev and Katie too. I can promise and attest that that's how they speak about Jared and Shayla too. And I just think that's such a beautiful example of how we can build these relationships and turn them into something so gorgeous, right? Like they're nurturing these relationships, they're respecting one another, and there's just such a high level of trust and love, respect, and goodness. It's really beautiful to hear and watch. Another thing that I learned a little bit more about as I listened to Jared speak was that after placement, birth parents are going to deal with their emotions in whatever way they need to, to overcome, to cope, to understand, to, you know, get to a point where they're okay. And I think it's important from the adoptive parent perspective to make sure that we allow whatever that process is to happen and to support how we can. It was interesting to me the difference between how he how he dealt with and handled the situation. And I'm sure when Shayla shares her story next week, you'll see a, a totally different way that she coped. Yeah, I think that's really important to think about. Yeah, I loved doing these two episodes together like this. I'm excited to share next week as well. And I just loved hearing Jared's story. I am so excited for you all to hear Shayla's story next week too. Thanks again to Jared for sharing his thoughts and feelings with us. Thanks to each of you for being listeners, and we'll be back next week with Shayla's episode.